Well, good morning to you. Um, good morning, George. Good to see you. Are you going back home this week? Are you? Friday of this week, you're going back home, George? You're going to go and see Daddy? Are you going to go and see Daddy, are you? Oh, you're a good boy. And Grandpa's going to miss you big time. And Grandma's going to miss you big time. Uh, it's good to see them. Well, here we are in 2017, right? Steadily moving forward. So I have a couple of questions to begin this morning. And the first question is, are you ready? Are you ready for the voyage? Are you? Because we are. We have embarked on a voyage in 2017. It could be compared to a sea voyage. My mind often goes back, goes back years ago when they would embark on these voyages many, many years ago on the sailing ships. It was a real uh, endeavor, wasn't it? Imagine they put their lives on the line. They didn't know what would befall them, what lied ahead of them. They were, um, I suppose they were convinced that the ship was worthy. So I would say this morning, is your ship ready? Are you seaworthy? Are you ready for the voyage that lies ahead? We don't know what exactly awaits us in 2017, but it is, uh, we know this, that there will be winds, and there will be waves, there will be seas, there will be all kinds of adversities. And so the question this morning is, are you ready for the voyage? I want to open your Bibles, ask you to open your Bible with me to Philippians chapter 2, and uh, reading verses 12 and 13. I'll read them from a couple of translations. So I'll begin with the King James Bible. I'll read it, those two verses from the authorized version. The authorized version. Right? Then we will go back to verse 1 of this chapter and read through from verse 1. Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi. He's not there, of course. He was there. He's absent from them, separated from them. And he is writing to them, and here's what he said in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, this verse has been visiting me repeatedly for some time, so we need to share on it this morning. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when I say this morning, are you ready? Are we ready for the voyage that lies ahead of us? And what kind of work has been done on our ship to enable us to withstand the wind, the waves, the seas, the adversity that awaits us? We have been moving into turbulent waters for some time. And I want to say to you that the, that the seas that we will encounter as we go through in 2017 will not be less uh, violent than what we have experienced in the past. In many ways, they will become more troubling, more difficult to navigate. And so the question then this morning is, are you ready? Now, there's only one way that we can possibly be ready for such a voyage. And this is what we have just read. For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So this is the news. This basically, I could just read that and sit down. 
This is the message this morning. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Back in 1969, how many remember 1969? George, do you remember (laughs) 1969? Probably not too many here. Rachel doesn't remember. Seth doesn't remember. Sherry doesn't even remember. I don't think, do you, Sherry? Well, you were too young to remember. (laughs) But you were here. Now, um, 1969 was a very important year in my life, and after some events had occurred, significant events had occurred, outside of any affiliation with any uh, religious body or church, I found myself going back in the late fall of that year to a Christian assembly, and there was opportunity for testimonies, and I knew I had to say something about what had happened in my life most recently. So I stood up and I said, I didn't know what to say. And I mumbled and blurted out something. And I said, uh, I've always been, I was quite young at the time. And I said, I've always been the person who kind of did whatever I wanted to do. I've always been willful and wanted and did whatever I wanted to do. And, and what I wanted to do was usually wrong. The things that I wanted to do weren't, weren't right. And I said, I'm still doing what I want to do, <laughs> but what I want to do has changed. I said, what I want to do has changed. Now I find I'm wanting to do the things before that I didn't want to do. Now I want to do these things. So I said, the want to has changed. Where did that come from? And I hadn't read this verse But here it is, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So he doesn't only give you the want to, but he gives you the authority to do that. And I would say this morning, this is grace. We've talked about the word grace. The Bible talks about grace, saved through through grace, faith, grace. But this is grace in operation. And so faith results from this. And then... I want to uh, read this same, these same two verses from the Amplified Bible. Here they are, Amplified. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out your, that is to cultivate and carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. And the amplification of this, working it out with reverence and awe and trembling is self-distrust. Don't put your confidence in yourself. With serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. And then verse 13. They tell us the Amplified Bible is not great for reading in a public forum, but there's times when it actually expresses these ideas in a most robust way, and I think it's good for us to hear them. Then in verse 13, it continues, Not in your own strength, for it is God who is 
all the while effectually at work in you? Effectually at work in you? In other words, the work of God within you is effectual. It is uh, designed to accomplish something great. Energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now, I would just say this morning, obviously the, the obvious conclusion from all of this is if God is working in you and God is working in me to will, to want to do the things that are perfectly according to his will and purpose for us, not only to want to do them, you remember if you read, uh, we read in Romans many times in Romans chapter 7 where the writer talks about uh, in his life he wants to do certain things. He has the will and the desire, but he doesn't have the ability. Remember in Romans 7. I want to do these things. I agree that God's law is beautiful and wonderful, and I want to do them, but I don't find the ability to do the thing that I want to do. In fact, I do the thing that I don't want to do. Remember? Right? But now, it's not just the want to, but it's the ability to do it. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, then since this is true, and God is no respecter of persons, what does that mean? That he then, through the provisions of Messiah Jesus, what he has already done for the human family, God not being a respecter of persons, then God is... uh, engaged in working in this way in every person. His will is to work this way in every person. Well, then why is that not being manifested? And let me just ask a more a question that's more personal. And I'll ask it of myself, and I ask you to ask it of yourself. Okay, is that all right? Is my life reflecting right now the will of God for me? Is my life manifesting right now the will of God for me? Am I walking in it? Am I manifesting it? Am I demonstrating it? Am I speaking it? Am I acting it? Am I living it out? What is the will of God for me? Is my life manifesting the will of God for me? And if I conclude that, no... Yeah, but not, you know, entirely. There's things that I know should be manifesting that are not manifesting. Then why are they not manifesting? If God is working working effectually to bring that to manifestation, then why is it not being brought fully to manifestation? Why not? And there's going to only be one answer to that. And the one answer to that is I am not fully cooperating with him in this work. That must be the answer. There could be no other answer. I'd like to maybe share something. Uh, Well, I'm already sharing something, but share something kind of in addition. From time to time, uh, from time to time, I find myself always kind of returning to a certain place. You ever do that? Do you ever kind of return to a certain place? And the place that I find myself returning to most often is the place where you call fundamentals. Fundamentals. Okay? Because I find that sometimes I can go in my interests and I can go all over my interests. I 
this this theme and this subject and and uh, areas of eschatol end time events and and all kinds of different doctrinal points of view, and I I, I really enjoy that. But I find that I can immerse myself in those themes and not have a manifestation of the will of God manifesting in my life. I find that I can immerse myself in those themes and yet be very carnal and very natural. You know, very self-oriented. You know what I mean? And there's something missing. So then I say, well, then I should never go into those themes. I should never think about any of those subject matters. And of course, that's ridiculous. That's not what we're intended to conclude. So, but we are to realize that there are fundamentals. There are certain things that come before. There are certain things that are most important. And that if those things in the spiritual realm that are most important then would be given top priority, then... Just think then how our ability to process those greater themes would improve and become more accurate. That's what it is. So that's where we're going to spend a little time this morning. Let's go back now to chapter, uh, well, go back to verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. George is one good boy. He is a good boy. And he's enjoying this meeting. I can tell you. But that chooch, maybe he's enjoying that chooch just a little bit more. But every once in a while he looks up just to make sure that I'm still on track here. Ah, <laughs> uh, Okay, chapter 2 and verse 1. God works within to will and to do according to his own good pleasure. And he's doing that in you. This is what we want to conclude. He's doing that in me. So I'm suggesting we all say... Not out loud, but we say, He is working in me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's what He's doing. But now I'm being called upon here. There's something that's being asked of me. I am being called upon to work this out. I'm being called upon to work out this salvation or this deliverance, this rescue mission for me. I'm being called upon to work this out with a certain attitude and it's fear and trembling or awe and reverence. So now when we go back to verse number one, all of the things that are mentioned up to, um, well, verses one through 11, all of these things are the consequence of God working in both the will and to do. See, in other words, these things are not done just through, through sheer self-effort. These things are done through the dynamic of God working into will and to do. So verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one another. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Now, let me say now that all of these things will be the consequence and all of these things will be evident in our lives as we work out this salvation that, see, God works on the inside 
and we work out what God is working on the inside. Does that make sense? So God is doing the thing that we cannot do. He's working within us to will and to do according to his own will and purpose. And, and we are called upon to work that out so that it is manifested out into the world. And that's the way we become salt and light, right? That's the idea of salt and light. As he is, so are we in this world. That's the way that happens. So, so God is working on the inside to will and to do according to his own good pleasure, and we are to work that out. And as we work that out, this is what we will see. This idea of sharing the same love. This idea of focusing on one goal. This idea of doing nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility and considering others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should think, uh, excuse me, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do we do that? Do we spend significant amounts of time really being concerned about the interests of other people, others around us, as opposed to just our own? Because if we are working out what God is doing on the inside, that's what will happen. Then he writes in verse 5, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. And in these verses now that we'll read, I wrote something in my notes that says it's an incomprehensible humbling. In fact, what I'm saying and, and have concluded after many years of reading these passages is that there is no way that we can fully comprehend what the Apostle is saying. I even find the translators of the Scriptures struggled in trying to find the right words to express these things. He's talking about Messiah. He's talking about Jesus and how that he, um, how that we should follow the example that was set by Jesus, Messiah. Although he, he says that he existed in the form of God. This is before his incarnation. He existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself. And then some commentators say the word emptied it doesn't really, we shouldn't even use the word emptied. <laughs> See, they, they don't know exactly how to, you know, what are the right words to express this great thing? So what I do when I come to a place like that is I just get real careful and real cautious. And I say it's not so much just the exact word you're using. But let your heart be ready to, to, uh, to think and to focus on something that is so great and so grand and so wonderful and so marvelous that the fullness of it you cannot absorb. But it's just the greatest concept that the world could know. This is a great thing. This is a great thing. Explains all the basic questions. You know, where did I come from? Who am I? Where am I going? All these great questions that we have as human beings. Origins. What are we here for? Is there a purpose for us? And so on. Explains it all. 
But the apostle is saying you should have the same humble attitude you have as exemplified by God, the word who became flesh by emptying himself of all the glory that he possessed as God. It's marvelous. It says he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Jesus is not just the leader of Christianity. Jesus is not just the leader of one of the world's great religions. None of that is true. This is a name that has no equal. So, um, this is marvelous. And he goes on and and says that God has given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, these verses come before verses 12 and 13, the ones that we have just finished reading. And I want to go back and read them one more time now. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so we're thinking this morning about this, you know, are we ready for this voyage that lies ahead in 2017? Let me, let me, um, let me draw some brief conclusions Okay, He is working in you. He is working in me. Say, you know, we can say, He is working in me. He is. And what is He working in me to do? He's working in me to will, to transform and change my will so that my will comes into alignment. You know, my will, my willingness, my want to, my desire is coming more and more into alignment with his own purpose for me. So that I find myself increasingly now, as God's working in me, my desire is to do, just as Messiah Jesus, you know, said, my will is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And the Father God is doing the exact same thing in you. So that you and I would say, my will is to do the will of him who has called me, adopted me, if you wish, as his own son, and to finish and complete the work that he is calling me to do in my sojourn here in this world. That's my will, my willingness, my desire, my want to. Once that is, uh, once that is completed and... and uh, and, and fulfilled, then we can find ourselves more and more being able to trust the inclinations that we have. You know, the, like, if we're walking in the flesh, we can't trust our desires. We can't trust our want to. Our want to will be all over the place, usually wrong. 
But God is working in us so that our want to can become trustworthy. Does that make sense? That's exactly what he's doing. He's working in you to will so that your want to can become trustworthy. Right? I want to do this. I want to do this other. But I don't know if it's God's will. I, I mean, I can't just go by my own whims, you know. This is not your whims, not my whims. It's God working in you to will according to his good pleasure. This is marvelous. This is wonderful. But as God works in us, he he calls us to cooperate with what he is doing inwardly by working it out outwardly. Right? That's what it is. So he's working in you to will. Now he's also working in you to do. He's working in you to do. Not just to will, not just to have the want to, but he's working in you to do. And he's giving you by working in you like that, he's giving you the ability, the energy, the strength, the authority to do the very thing that he has placed in your want to list. Now you can not only have want to, but do it. I want to stop this certain thing. There's something that I have a tendency to do that I know is not the will of God, but, you know, you fill it in the blanks. You fill in the blanks, Right? We have to fill in these blanks ourselves, personally. Say there's something that I have a tendency toward that I know is not the will of God for my life. Now you find that the want to is starting to increase. I I do not want to do that. I want to move away from that. But then now, as God works, now comes the ability to do the thing that you want to do. So the ability to change, the ability to overcome certain things like certain kinds of temptations, certain kinds of inclinations, certain kinds of tendencies, the ability to overcome those is made effective in your life as you work out what God is doing on the inside. But if there's no active, uh, energetic agreement with what God is doing on the inside by working out what he's doing on the inside then the manifestation of this will never occur and there's something about the manifestation of this that um, consolidates it in the life it confirms it in the life just like believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth right well how do you believe in your heart because God works in you the ability to believe But you confess with your mouth that which God has uh, persuaded you in your spirit is true. But if you don't speak that out, then it, it, it will be lost. Now, it's not lost right away. But gradually, if God continues to do something on the inside that we do not agree with by manifesting on the outside, it will then lose its power on the inside. It will lose its power on the inside. And we'll find that maybe old things, things that used to reign over us in the past, and we have conquered, they've been conquered. And then we'll find little by little some of those old things will start to reemerge and resurface. This is the dynamic thing. It's always, it's dynamic. It's always active. So that's the idea. He is working in you to will 
according to his good pleasure, and he's working in you to do according to his good pleasure. Are you uh, cooperating? Are you cooperating fully? Are you standing in the name of Jesus? Are you stating and using your words? Do you ever just stand, uh, you know, alone, wherever it might be, while you're driving in your car, whatever it might be? Do you ever just speak things? Do you ever just say them? Do you ever speak them forth? Do you do that? Because you need, we need to do that. See, that's a big part of praying. Praying is basically the persuasion where we stand on the inside in terms of what we believe and our position on the inside. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He is the only begotten of the Father. I believe that He came to save me from my sins, from the power and the penalty of my transgressions. I do not deserve it, but He loved me before the foundation of the world and made provision for my salvation. I believe that. I know that to be true. We speak it, say it, say it, speak it forth. This is part of cooperating with it and working out our salvation. But with fear and trembling, it's awe and reverence, not arrogance or anything like that. So are you cooperating with it and working it out, right? Working it out. Well, the Lord bless you. He loves you with an incredible love. He is, uh, when I asked the question at the beginning, are you ready for 2017? Father God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're, they're ready. <laughs> they're ready. And they're working in you. So their purpose is that you would be ready as well. So agree with what they are doing in the depths of your life and manifest it. Work it out. Work it out and manifest it.